0: Isn't it gives me great pleasure to introduce our luncheon speaker, Ellen L. Right, well done, well done. Good morning, everybody. My name is Ellen, and I am an I Hello, Ellen. Any other Alananix out here today? You know guys? And for those of you who didn't raise your hand, you'll know what it is soon enough, before the day's over. Before I'm done talking, that's for sure. Um, oh, my gosh, you know, I've so many thoughts going through my head. They're still whirling around. i got to grab a couple of them so I can start this thing. I was, I was sitting across at lunch from Tim, and uh, he comes over, and he goes, Are you kind of nervous? And I said, Yeah. And he goes, Yeah, I can see it in your face. So if a kid see that, I think I'm pretty much in trouble. Anyway, um, well, you know, what am I talking about? He's going to be an Alan on Sunday. He's just honing I'm up his skills. <laughs> um, is you yeah. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it can't hear me. Well, for oh, God's sake, this thing's too far away. All right, there uh, <laughs> it
1: is. It yeah, yeah,
0: forget it. Don't
1: touch it, though. Hold there it is. It's a Oh, right.
0: hey, how at
1: that. Oh,
0: okay. Oh, oh, all right. Should we start over? All right. Um, where was I? Oh, yes, I'm talking. Um, I, I, you know what? I want to thank Lois for inviting me here today uh, to be to be your license speaker. I met her at Woman to Woman, a retreat earlier this year where I was talking, and uh, it's a, a woman's AA Allen. I retreat. Mean, it totally, totally insane weekend, and I talked there, and they had me so wound up I didn't know particularly what day it was. Matter of fact, when I said... My name is Ellen and I'm an Ellenotic. I actually said my name is Ellen and I'm an alcoholic. And all the alcoholics went nuts and they go, Lois! And so Lois just invited a real confused speaker here today. But, well, we had a really good time, and I got here yesterday, and I, and I saw Lois, and I, I, I had braces on for a couple of years, and the first thing she said to me, is, Oh, you have to braces yourself, it, it look so good, and I was like, I, I knew I loved her. You <laughs> notice, right? You notice right away, and she goes, no, I'm just, I'm just judgmental about things like that. <laughs> so I went to my room, and I got my basket of, thank you, thank you so much for the basket, and I always, thank you, Carol, I always check them out, I always have to like to see how people like to do things different, I I'm just nosy. And I'm excited to ask if there was some really neat things I never thought about. There's a little sewing shed, and, and then there's a, a little bathroom shed with toothpaste and shaving cream and erasure and all that, and I thought, what a really good idea for the poor staff that really don't know how to pack, but that was a really good thought. So a little while later, I'm getting ready to go, and I went to brush my teeth, and this poor staff didn't have any toothpaste, so.
1: <laughs>
0: thank you, thank <laughs> Um, we've really been having a good time. You guys really know how to Oh, guess what? I never hit my button. Okay, now it's starts. Okay, I got a timer here. Um, you really know how to put on a party, and we, we started last night. We had a dinner. Thank you so much, Randy. They had a dinner for the speakers, and we were all invited. And we were kind of in this big circle of tables, and Randy had us all go around and identify ourselves and say what committee they were, or what they were doing here, or whatever. And they went around the room, and, and they came to my my husband was uh, before me, and he said, "You know, my name is Pat, and I'm an alcoholic, and I'm also the topic of the uh, luncheon tomorrow." <laughs> And I just want you all to know that he's only uh, topic a topic of half of the luncheon. He's okay. He's, are you one of those elements that tell the AA stories? And I go, oh, of course I am. How could you get through without their good stories? But also, I want to let you guys know that today is uh, my husband's birthday. He's 50, 56 today. And I just want to tell you, kid, that I was never able to pull up a surprise party for you, and look what I did today. <laughs> So, on the count of three, let's all say surprise. One, two, three.
1: Surprise!
0: I don't know where the gifts are, but we'll find that out later. Anyway, we have just really had such a good time, and whenever I come somewhere, I really believe that, you know, when you're somebody's guest, that you should attend, you know, all the meetings and go to see all the speakers and all this other kind of stuff, and I came here and I I thought maybe I might run into a couple people that I knew, but I couldn't believe all the people that I saw. I've been such a horrid guest, I uh, went to our opening uh, speaker meeting last night, and I got in there probably like a half an hour before it was over, and my friend Lynn was speaking, and I didn't even know her, but I had run into, oh my gosh, um... Joyce, I met her at Catalina, and, and um, you know what, I knew it was I was going to forget what I saw her in French. and then, I, you know, I saw me and Jacqueline at the dinner, and, um, and I saw Lynn, and, uh, who else did I see? Oh, and then last night I saw my buddy, Kenny Bob. Are you here, Kenny Bob? That's a lied to me. Well, he's an alcoholic, what do you want? He's a, you I'm going to lunch in I'm going to see you. Did you can't hear
1: me? I'm going to see you either. Okay? You, know,
0: you know, I'm an I'm a Al-Anon, too. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Everybody should be an Al-Anon. Who cares? And then he doesn't show up. And then and then today I come and, and uh, my good buddy Kay is there. We're uh, doing uh, AFG in a few more weeks here where Betty Ann is going to be the speaker. She'll be here on April Fool's. It's the Al-Anon Day of the Year. You know, what a better day to have an Al-Anon convention. People go, yeah, Wednesday convention? April Fool's. You know, it's just like that. Are you coming home tonight? Yeah, sure. April Fool's. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Betty Ann's my buddy from Chicago. Woo. Probably a Northside Cubs fan, though. I know that. She's not aware. was my White Sox buddy that I met in the baddies in the White Sox thing. They finally won the championship this year. Yeah. Anyway, on to, on to bigger and better things, guys. Um, like, what the heck I'm doing here? Like, what, oh, geez. you know what? Okay, how's that? <laughs> <laughs> you may be going to be paying my title the bill if I bend over like this. Um, anyway, um, I, you know, I, I saw a speaker a really long time ago, uh, in Las Vegas, and he had talked about, he was an A-Aid speaker, and he talked about, um, So before he got to the program, you know, drank because he didn't feel good enough, and he didn't feel handsome enough, and he didn't feel smart enough. And I've heard that a million times before, but for some reason, it finally hit me. You know, that's the same way. That's the same way I used to feel. And I truly, in my heart, believe that although um, oh, people like the that would disagree with me, I don't think there's a whole heck of a lot of difference between the alcoholics and the A.A. We just kind of run down a different path to get that taken care of. I'll tell you what, if drinking if would have solved my problems, I, I would have been right it. I mean, I, I drank right alongside my husband for a really long time. I just gave up quicker than he did. He just kept at it because he knew the cure was there. But so my thing was that um, I would I would fix everybody. If I could fix everybody, I never was into control. Control is way too much energy for me. I don't want it. I don't need it. I just want to be helpful. I want to be kind. I want to be of service. So in order to do this, I would have to have well-thought-out plans. So that is the thing that we do, guys. We don't drink. We think. And I can prove it. I can prove that it's true. Because if you take the, um, the questionnaire that they have for the AA, that, uh, how many questions, the 20 questions that they give them, and if you, everywhere it has the word drink, you take it out and you put the word think, it's us to a T, to a T. And i marked a couple of them here I'd like to share with you guys. Number one, is thinking making your home life unhappy? Here's <laughs> a good one. It's thinking of affecting your reputation. Have you ever had remorse after thinking? Has your ambition decreased since thinking? And that was that was a big one for me because I had this I had this uh rocking swivel chair right in the picture window of my living room. And I'll tell you what, I could rock and swivel in that supper for days. And I'd be thinking, I'd be thinking, thinking, thinking. And it would always be like, you know, because I does not come home from work for another day in a row or something. And I'd be rocking in my chair thinking that, you know, let's go be? Why didn't he just rock that Mickey? You're all of us. And, you know, I wanted to get rid of him. I wanted to get rid of him really bad, but I didn't want to divorce them. I mean, if you divorce them, then they come back. You know, they, they set up for birthday parties and graduations, and God forbid he'd walking my daughter down the aisle, and I didn't want that. Who knows, because I know he wouldn't be sober, and he would, I, and I wouldn't be there to make sure that he was. I couldn't you know, help him up tip him up, and send him down there, and we'd have to live with it. So the only thing that could happen was that he had to die. He just had to die, and that was the end of it. So I'm sitting in my little rocker, looking out the window, thinking about this, thinking about this, and the doorbell rings, and I get up, and... There's a policeman at the door, hat in hand. He's so somber. He's come to tell me that my husband has died in a car accident. And I thought, no, I can't do that. He might hit somebody else and kill them too. So I'm back in my chair again. And I'm walking, and I'm swiveling, and I'm walking, and the doorbell rings again. It's the guy she works with. He's a lineman. He, uh, back in Chicago used to climb the big electrical towers, and the guys are at the door to tell me that Pat climbed to the top of some tower, and he fell off. And now he's dead. And they're told to bring me all his effects. And they always take up a collection. When something bad happens, these guys don't know what to do. They drink or they collect money. What well, they do both. So they grab, they collect a bunch of money, they give me this envelope full of money, and they gave me all his effects. And it, it was all collected for me. And then I'm thinking I, I had to plan a funeral. I mean, planning a funeral in Chicago, an Irish, Catholic, Italian funeral in Chicago is big. It, it's bigger than this. And here I would be the chairman of this event. I'm the chairman of the funeral, and I get to do it all my way. I knew what he was going to wear. I knew what tie he was going to wear. I knew what underwear he was going to wear. I had it all picked out, and my dress, too. And we we even have opposing funeral directors in our family, and it would be Kenny Brothers and not whatever the heck is, was, I forgot. And I wouldn't be there, and we would go there, and here I would be, all dressed up, and here would be my co-chairman, laying down. Right at the height of the thing. And everybody would be coming in and they'd be saying, oh, Ellen, I'm so sorry that you're going, and I would just take all that pity in because I love pity. I love pity. So give it all to me. And I like it even better when it comes with money attached. So then, here comes the union officials, and they're giving me that check that they give you that, you know, he's dead, now check, I don't uh something. Yeah, some insurance. No, insurance is separate. This is the union. I got help with life insurance. Here. So they give me that, and then as time goes by, you know, he died at work, so what the hell? Let's do the company and have lots of money. So now I got all this money. I got all this money. I got I don't even know what to do with it. I take trips. People take my kids. I travel everywhere. When I eat things done around the house, I don't have to put up with him whether he shows up or not, and I can just pay somebody. Get my life is happy. I am happy. Life is wonderful.
1: Like,
0: I wasn't insane. <laughs> when I get to the, the restored sanity stuff, I threw that one out because I didn't need it. I wasn't insane. I lived with him. Anybody would looked good living with him. So anyway, that's uh, that part. I just got a couple more of these three. Did you caused you to have difficulty sleeping? Well, yeah. And here's my all-time favorite. Do you think alone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course I think alone. Do you know think they a your ideas in there muddling my head. up? <laughs> I got all my own in there. And then the last, my very favorite. Have you ever been to a hospital or an institution on account of your thinking? Well, I'm here to tell you I wasn't, but it really, really pisses me off that he was. <laughs> you know, what were we doing, guys, when they were in rehab? You know, having somebody serve them meals, taking moccasins or wallets or whatever Dr. Powell's house smells. What are we doing? We're at home, taking calls from the bill collectors, you know, where's the money? And the relatives are calling, what's the matter with you boys? What's going on in your house? What's you get to get yourselves together? And there he is, you know. Writing and making things and, you know, I was, I was getting tan in the queen, you know, and all that sort of kind of stuff. <laughs> I got these shed and wipe them, book and scrub and boil i doing the whole thing all by myself. So anyway, and then, uh, um, well, wait a minute. I haven't even gotten to that part yet. I haven't even gotten to a meeting them yet, so I can't tell you that. But anyway, but well, that's what happened to me. And so um, I do believe that uh, there's really not so much difference between us, guys. I think we should print one of these templates and change all these words to things. us have a business meeting, on that, huh? All uh, right. So anyway, uh, we, and I, are both from Chicago. And I used to go to this tavern. It's called Shovel's loaded with taverns. They're everywhere. And they're like family kind of things. And I used to go with my friends to uh branch tavern in um in Oakland and we would go there and they had they had uh, baseball teams and they had bus trips to go see. The white Sox at Pinch Park and they had parties in the sports theater. and the vendors would come and bring liquor and put on parties and we just really had so much fun. And I was in there one night with my girlfriend. And across the room, I saw my husband. To be, I saw Pat, and I was looking at him, and I was going, "Oh, that guy's kind of good looking," which is, of course, very important. And then I saw later on, he brought out this big, fat, wad of dough, and I thought, "And he's rich too." And as the night went on, I made sure I met him. I just hooked myself into him and reeled him in, and, and, and we picked up. He was just wild and crazy and fun. He was everything that I didn't have the nerve to do, because I was a sweet, sweet, innocent little Irish Catholic girl that did not do anything wrong, because my mother would die after she killed me. And then, you know, so... And, um, and my, my father would kill me twice, but he died when I was a kid, so I got lucky. And I don't well, not really, I'm kidding. But anyway, uh, so I, I hooked up with Pat, and we just ran him and we had so much fun. And life was wild and crazy and just fun. And one day he says to me, hey, how about we move in together? And I said, oh, I can't do that. I've got the Irish form of Mother Teresa as my mother. You think I can move in with you? That would be a sin. <laughs> so he says, yeah, you're right. a little while later he goes, well, how do we get married? And I said, hey, yeah, right. And that was kind of the basis of our deciding to get married. I, I listened to Dr. Laura on the radio, and she talks about, you, you know, when people are in problems, well, you know, did you discuss this before you got married? And did you know this about them before you got married? And, and I'm like, well, no. I mean, who we thinks about that? We were thinking about the wedding. We were thinking about, you know, should we have an open bar or just beer and wine, you know? Should we serve the marijuana in bowls, or she just, you know, no. on the parking lot, uh, you know, the smoke, and, you know. I mean, this party was, it was incredible. I remember, you know, running around the charters first trying to take pictures, and my mom comes up, Al, what happened to the wedding party? And I'm going, gee, I don't know. There's 14 of them. They just disappeared off the face of the earth. But if you walk out that door right there, you around the corner. They're all in the parking lot, getting high, and so was the bride and the groom. They couldn't find us either, but we had a heck of a, a heck of a wedding, and then we went to Acapulco, and that was even worse, and I had to get time there and then we came home and commenced our family life. Neither one of us knowing how to do it. I mean, Ken had been married before and I thought, oh, well, you know, he knows how to do this. Actually, I didn't think of the he was divorced, so evidently he didn't. But uh, <laughs> he knows how to do this. Those as followed his lead, which was he did nothing. So, <laughs> we lived in this apartment for a while. And my mom was a, you know, stay-at-home mom. She did everything. I mean, I was 21 years old, and I didn't know how to do laundry. I didn't know how to cook. I never even clean my bedroom. Clean a toilet. I, did you do that? I, did you do that? I thought, you flush. That's all you do is pour. I don't know any of this stuff. So we're living in this apartment for a while, and I'm not doing anything. He's the oldest of, you know, an Irish or uh, Italian family, and maybe even laugh. Eh? the oldest boy. They're like, ooh, ka-ching. And so we're living in this place. As long as we're home from the honeymoon, Scott was still working. and, and uh, a friend of mine came over, and we sat around and had some beer, and had him home like, like Robert Young, honey, I'm home. <laughs> right. And... Um, He says, What's for dinner? I said, Well I ordered a piece and he goes, Great, I said, Well we ate it so I you know So, but soon after that, I thought, you know what? We're going to have to get this family life thing going. We got to get this together. So it was New Year's Eve uh, the next year. and 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 we had a couple, and we decided, um, you know what? It's the bicentennial year next year. Wouldn't it be a good idea to have a bicentennial baby? Don't you think that's a good idea? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Well, let's go home. So we did. We went home. And so we woke up the next day. And we looked at each other, going, Do you think? we're going, nah, no way. And in September of that year, we had a bicentennial baby. I'm in the hospital having this baby. It's the day to come home, back when they let you stay in the hospital for a couple of days. And uh, they bring uh, my baby to me back when they put him in the nursery for a couple of days, which was nice. So anyway, they bring him in, and they said, um, you know, you got to go. And I'm waiting. He's not showing up. So I call home. homes phone's ring, ring, ring. You know, he's not answering. And I went, surely he's on his way. We'll just wait right here. And they said, no, he'll wait someplace else. <laughs> so we had to wait, and we waited and waited, and he never showed up. So my mom came and picked us up and brought us home. And, I, you know, I got home, and I said, wouldn't you know, what's yours? This is your, your your new baby, the future quarterback in Notre Dame. Had it already decided he was going to be the future quarterback in Notre Dame, and you don't even come pick him up. And he said, I am so, so sorry. I went out last night to celebrate the birth of the future quarterback in Notre Dame, and I overserved myself. I didn't wake up today, and I am so, so sorry. And then he says to me the magic word, and I promise I'll never do it again. (laughs) You (laughs) guys have heard it, haven't you? And you want to know what? I bought a hook, line, and sinker every. Single time, he told me because I wanted it to be true. I wanted it. I wanted this family. I wanted things to be right. So when he would promise me, then then I would buy it. And then he would get into the. The uh, guilt, remorse, and incomprehensible demoralization—my favorite cocktail in the world. I just would love it. He would feel bad. He called it the pune. He'd get the pune, and then I could get him to do anything. He would fix anything in the house. He would, you know, paint. He would—he would go to the ballet for God's sake, if he had, uh, you know, the pune. He would do anything. You know, got to a point where I used to have a pre-printed list, and that would do things, and you know, and I, and I could see it coming. I've got this sixth sense. It's like a lumbago, you know. I could look in his eyes, and I could tell bad things were coming and I'd go, uh, oh, I think you're up to no good, you're going on a bad swing again, and he'd go, hey, 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 that's all you do is nag, no wonder I drank your second nag. <laughs> so, like I didn't learn, that's the green light, there we go, off to the races, and, and then he'd work himself up into some crescendo, he'd take some trips, he used to like take trips, he... He has an allergy to alcohol. When he drinks, he breaks up in spots all over the United States. He just <laughs> like takes off, and I hear from him days later. it has gone overnight, and he brings a string of felons home with him, and you know, <laughs> hey kids, here's my friends, and you know, all these things would happen. So then he'd come back down to earth, and he'd feel puny, and I'd get out my list and I'd stick it on the fridge, and he'd go to it, and and life was wonderful. As a matter of fact. I, I miss those days today. he <laughs> <laughs> hasn't been a damn thing since. As a matter of fact,
1: <laughs>
0: we're doing some work in the house, and we went out and bought doorknobs to change up the doorknobs. Now, we've had these doorknobs, and i got the mic back, so you can't even get in on this. Six, stinking months. These doorknobs have been sitting in the garage waiting to be put on. And he keeps going, you know, I'm going to put those doorknobs on tomorrow.
1: And he doesn't tell
0: me which tomorrow. So anyway, last weekend I we meet up, and he says, hey, what do you want to do today? And I said, hey, let's hang those doorknobs. What? You want to hang the doorknobs? I really wanted them right away. Well, no, but six months, I don't know. You need a time limit. I won't bug you. If you say eight and it's eight, I won't bug you until then. But tell me what it is. But if he, if he had a taste of the fumes, those doorknobs would be helpful. Yeah, we, doors. We're all doing that. We, everything. we don't get any of that stuff anymore. <laughs> anyway, so life went on, and these things kept happening. And, and he would, like I said, build himself up into something. I'd get mad. I'd get the kids. I'd, you know, go to my mom. I'm done. I hate you forever. Blah, blah, blah. He me up. Pitiful and income-transferred demoralization. Let's get back together. I, I promise I'll never do it again. He comes home. I get out my list. I hand it to him. He's working. Life is great. I understand how this works. I I didn't like it necessarily, but I knew how to work this system, and we went with it. You know, I did every kind of manipulating type game you could. You know, I yell, I scream, I say, I cry, I do whatever. Whatever got him to toe the line, I, you know, I was all over it. But things got um, really bad, and one time he ended up taking a trip, went to work one day, this is what he'd do did stop for a drink afterwards and uh, he took off. We were living in Illinois. It was the winter time. There wasn't much work. So here in California he had some work. So him and his buddies got in the car and left. Now, he didn't call to tell me or ask me or see if I want to go or, you know, should I get some new underwear to take with me or anything. They just left. And so a few days later, he called me up from Shooter Continental, New Mexico, and, you know, I'm sorry, I don't know what happened, let's do it again, I didn't come home. And I said, okay, buddy, you can come home this time, but this time, we're going to counseling. I had the whole thing set up. We're going to go to a counselor, and you're going to get yourself together, and we're going to do it. So we go to this counselor. And so, I'm ready. However, oh, you guys know, I'm ready. I got files. I got files in my brain. I got dates. I got homes. I got places. I have offenses that he did. I know what he said, what I said, what he were, who was there, what time it was, where we were. I got it all. We get in his office, and the counselor looks at him, and she says, Pat, what seems to be the problem? And I'm like, what is she asking him for? I'm the one that knows. So anyway, he goes, come home from work sometimes, and there isn't dinner on the table. And I come home from work sometimes, and the house is a mess. And the kids are crazy, and I just don't know what to do. And I'm just sitting there, huh? She comes to me and she says, Now, Ellen, do you suppose that you could promise Pat that you would cook dinner every night? And then you would um, clean the house every day, keep the kids under control. And I'm thinking to myself, Yeah, I cook dinner every night, but it's not there at 10 o'clock. It's, kind of it's downstairs before the 7. If you're not home, you ain't getting it. But anyway, I just sat there and I would, I would so jump on it. And she turns to Pat and says, Now, Pat, if Ellen promises to do all these things, do you think that you could stay within the confines of the state of Illinois? <laughs> And he'd just sit there, just, you know, butter and melt in his mouth. Why, of course I do when I was going, You know what? Hey, here's the five bucks we have to pay, or we're out of here. We got in the car, and I'm driving home, and I was insane. I was just, I was so crazy mad, I couldn't stand it, and I said, you know what? That's it with counseling. That's it. That's my one and only trip at counseling. We're going home, and we're going to get our shit together, and we're going to nail up their white ticket links, and we're going to be a family. it's a two hour. <laughs> and I'm driving just like that. And he's in the passenger seat, and he's like, oh, Jay, <laughs> just get me out of this car. So home, and now from this day forward, I, I, I am the way, the truth, and the light. I am John and that boy. We are going to hold the line. We are going to be good. We're going to be parents. We're going to be. I didn't even think there was a drinking problem, so we weren't going to be sober. Well, I was going to regulate. I this. I was going to regulate for him. he the go out sometime to a wedding. And I said, geez, Patty, you look so nice there. And that brand is good. I hate to see you throw up on him. How much you don't drink tonight? You know? and I, I had all these little plans, of course. None of them worked. So anyway, they destroyed our unhappy road to destiny. And then uh, one more time, Pat called me up. And he says, oh, he, it's me. And I said, yeah. Like, you haven't been here for two days, yeah? He goes, well, I just called to tell you I'm in Las Vegas, and it's over. And I go, it's over? You're be me? I mean, that's when having a job you hate your whole life, and then you get fired before you have the pleasure of me. You're be me? It's fine, you know, whatever. Anyway, so... um. Then as it goes, I said, you know what fine? That's okay with me. You want, you want a divorce? We'll get a divorce. I'll get it really quick. But well, even if you can get a divorce, beginning to end in 30 days. So I called the lawyer up, and I made an appointment. I went in there, and I said, well, I want a divorce. I want a bitch, and I want everything. And the lawyer goes, cool. He gets out a big legal sheet of paper and a pen, and he gets all ready, and he says, what do you got? <laughs> And I said, yeah, uh, nothing. Our <laughs> 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 right, house was not buying the mortgage, you know, all the utilities that were blacked out, credit cards, we owed everybody, because who's paying bills when you're drinking and drugging? I mean, they just don't make it. I don't know why. So, uh, anyway, um... I got to have to sign the house over to me and you know, I was gonna divorce them, and I hated them for life and you know, exactly my plan I hope he got dead and I was gonna do this. I was gonna get these kids and I was gonna raise them and, and now I switch, and now I'm living on sheer hate. Sheer hate and anger. I was just one big human piece of sheer hate and anger flesh anywhere I went. That was bad. I was, yeah, I was wake up in the morning, I've pissed to go to bed at night, I've tipped if you talk to me, I've tipped if you didn't talk to me, I've tipped if you, I've tipped if I've tipped if you, I've if you're wrong, I've pissed about everything, and I was going to do this. So anyway, every day... And now I'm living with these bill collectors calling me every single day. Wanting to you know, you know, where's the money? In? And I really can't lie. Remember, I'm the sweet Irish Catholic. I can't lie. And so, But, but at this time, I got really good. I could lie to anybody. You know, I'm lying to bill collectors, lying to the relatives. I'm doing all this other stuff. And then I got these two little kids. Now I got two little kids. And they get up in the morning and they want breakfast. And I'm like, I said yesterday. It's like they can't and I dress them up and I put them outside and I'm going, you know, I'm going forward every day because I have to. And I'm mad and I'm going to do this stuff. But then at night, and then I put those kids to bed and I lay in bed and all these thoughts that were in my head were just kind of swirling around during the day because I was too busy to think about it. and they started settling on me like dust and I'm laying in bed and I'm scared to death. I'm mad at anything, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed, I'm alone, I'm all these different feelings and I, and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, I don't know how to get out of this, and and at this time I was even thinking about checking out. You know, suicide is not something I ever even thought I would consider, but at this time um I had heard a TV show about this guy talking about wanting to commit suicide and it's like being out in a body of water and you're hanging onto a log so you don't drown but after a while your arms just hurt so bad you just want to let go of that log and uh, that's how I felt. My heart hurt so bad. I just didn't know what to do. I just really wanted to let go. I wanted to check out of there. I wanted somebody else to come in and take this thing because I just couldn't do it anymore. Now, I never heard of Alan Well, yeah, I guess I did. I heard of Alan. I did. I heard of Alan I knew all about it. It was all these blue-haired old ladies sitting in a dark dank basement for these healing churches, and they're all in chicken recipes, and they're telling me what I could do to make my man come home. And I thought, you know what? I want no part of that. You guys got nothing that I want. And I knew all of this stuff. Now, I didn't read it anywhere. Nobody told me this, so I didn't see it on TV. I just fabricated things in my mind, and then I believe them to be true. And I will even pass that information on to anybody who wants to know, you know. <laughs> they have no idea that I don't know if it's true or not. I can just do that because I believe myself. Because, uh, you know, that's the way the inside of my head is. So it, it was really getting crazy. And in the meantime, had, had gone out to, um, to California. He made it all the way to time. Yes. he moved to Riverside in August. It was like 120 degrees. He was better than me. <laughs> he had to get away from me. He didn't want me. He didn't want kids. The wrong kids. Wrong house. Wrong wife. Wrong job. Wrong everything. So he went to Riverside in uh, August. So anyway, while he was out there, he ended up going to rehab in a little bit of a warmer place. He went to Palm Springs. So uh, he's in the um, hospital there, actually just a few months before the Betty Ford Center opened. And he, to this day, really regrets not being able to hang out a little bit longer. He could have been in the Betty Ford Center with um, Elizabeth Taylor. You know, and Elizabeth Taylor liked the construction type, so that portent guy she picked up there. And it could have been Jack's wedding at Disneyland instead of mine. Although, I don't know how you look with that poofy hair like she did to him. But anyway... So uh, he's in rehab, uh, yeah, that's where he is. He's in rehab, making moccasins, and I'm writing letters. And he, they're starting to call me. These happy people, happy people in rehab. And it's, you know, good morning, Ellen. How are you today? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Everybody wants to talk about feelings. You know, I don't want feelings. I hate you, you know, hang up and goodbye. You know, that's like, all I'm feeling. And she, oh, well, you know. Let's talk about your feelings. I don't want to talk about a hang-up. And they're going, you should join Al-Anon. I said, I don't want to join Al-Anon. Why do I need Al-Anon? I'm rid of him. Woo-hoo. He's gone. Yeah. I don't have to worry about this anymore. I'm on my own. So anyway, they keep calling me, keep calling me. One day, Pat sends a letter. And they call me. Good morning, Alan. How are you feeling? And I said, well, do you know what I'm I just got a letter from Pat. Let me read it to you. And they were doing some kind of cathartic writing. In rehab, exactly. took a break from the marketing, and they were doing right. So, I said to the counselor, hold on, wait until you hear this. Dear Ellen, you always, you never, you wouldn't, you couldn't, you shouldn't, you didn't. You didn't. And she goes, wow, that's awful. <laughs> How does that make you feel? And I said, awful. Hey, true. And then, wait, 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 wait. I can run this in in 17 pages. One time, at the end of each day, she'd go, how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? And I'm like, is this shit stupid or what, you know? She can So finally we get down and the letter, and she said, how does that make me feel? And I said, you know what? I'm pissed. She said, yeah, I know. I said, and I'm hurt. She said, yeah, I know, and I'm scared, and I'm all these other feelings that I couldn't even identify before. And, and she said, yeah, I know. And it's the first time I ran into anybody that knew, anybody that understood. You know, how I was feeling because everybody, all our friends and relatives, they could see the craziness going on in our house. So our house was kinda of like a movie set. The front had all painted and pretty, the lawn is nice, blue flowers. You open that front door and it's like the first fifteen minutes of dig in of Ryan. And you're crying, you're There's on the floor. And you never know what's gonna happen when you walk through my front door. So, yeah, nobody understood the house that I lived in. And um, so i went up to the counselor, and she goes, tell me what's been happening. And I never told anybody. I never, ever told anybody, because I was so ashamed of the way we were living. Both of us, not him, both of us. And so um, I started telling her a little bit, and she said, yeah, I know, tell me some more. So she was, like, unimpressed, so I told her some more. And um, she wasn't impressed. Again, yeah, I'm more on the competitive side, and I thought, Well all right, honey. Let me tell you, this one. to make some more out, and what she said was, yeah, I know. And you know what? You don't have to feel that way, and you don't have to ever be alone again, and there's an answer for you. With or without him, there's an answer for you. And that's, uh, you know, when I started uh, joining into Al-Anon and, and, and getting in with you guys. And in the meantime, Chad has gone through his, his rehab, and uh, I, uh, I had the occasion to see him for... Long story, my sure had a baby, and my mom sent me out here. And I went and saw Patty. You know what? I, I know you guys know there's a look in their face when they got it. And I I knew, because Pat had been in and out of sobriety before. You know, proving to me that he wasn't an alcoholic. He could stay sober for a couple months at a time. So one day, oh this is a funny one, one day he was in the program and he was out golfing with this big group of guys who has a spiritual leader. And um, and he was talking to this guy and I'm not sure about the conversation because I wasn't there. I'm thinking the guy said to Pat, maybe you're not done drinking or maybe, or something like that, and then Dad, like, left the course and called me, and he said, this guy said, I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> I should go out and drink some more. <laughs> so he goes, get a sitter. We're going out. Know, and that's the kind of stuff that we did. I was like, woo I didn't want him to be an alcoholic. All my friends went to the bar. What am I supposed to do if I can't go to the bar? I don't have a problem in the bar. leave him at home. I'll go without him. What the heck? You know, I, I want to no know part of this life. First year we were in the program, we went to a, um, uh, New Year's Eve dance in the basement of some church. Oh, my God, there were four people there. And I was sitting there going, what have you done to me? What life have you done for me? <laughs> but, you know, since then, today, we have time for nothing because we're so full of program these days. And so Pat came home. We ended up, you know, getting back together again. Oh, my God, I didn't even tell you about the worst part of my uh, story. When we were separated, I found out that I was pregnant. That's really one thing that put me over the head. I didn't even know how it happened to begin with, but, you know... I did work for an OB/GYN, but uh, <laughs> anyway, I found out I was pregnant, and at that time had no want or desire of getting back with that. I've got these two little kids. I'm working a part-time job. I can't find. I'm looking for a full-time job. And I can't find one. So um, I decided this this one's got to go. He just got to go. And I, um, when it got right down to it, you know, I was willing to give up. This is just me. Only my opinion, the life of someone else, because I couldn't get my act together. So that's when I crashed, and I burned, and I, and I was ready to hear whatever you guys had to say. So Pat came home, and he had that third baby. He's 22 years old. Today he's going to be 23 in March. And uh, now we can't get rid of him. We're, uh, <laughs> we're trying really, really hard. I said 23 in March, and I said, you live in here in March there, fella. When you're 23, I see you somewhere else, he's going, you do? <laughs> like, where? And I'm de- redecorating his bedroom, and... When the oldest one left, I, I painted his bedroom pink, but he didn't care, he came back anyway. <laughs> so anyway, anyway. So now we have, you know, we have this kid, and, um, oh my God, our life today it's so... incredibly different. Now Pat and I are are totally committed to each other and to our family. We have three kids and we have five grandkids. Now they can't. So, they should know. They're like, come oh, I in, there's five of them. The oldest is three. No, we just turned four. But they just keep never producing these kids. And, you know, life today is just incredible. Um, and my kids were too young for Alexine when they started and just never got them in later. But I do believe that, you know, they they got a design for living through us. They've they heard the things that we say. They repeat, you know, programs. They've got it, and they don't even know. I'm so happy to see where we are today. But that doesn't mean that I'll ever stop coming. I mean, I have a little bit of an insane thing myself to this day. Um, A few years ago, two years ago, we went to my niece's wedding back in Chicago, and I was really, I was really worried about how this is going to be because there's a lot of my my sister and brother-in-law's friends back in Chicago that we haven't seen since, you know, sobriety has hit the household. And we were always the topic of many conversations, the entertainment of many parties, (laughs) you know, like the low lights are here, you know, the Franklin people are here again, you know, whatever. So, um... I was really worried about going back and knowing, letting these people know, like, why do I care? We are, today, upstanding citizens. And I had to make everybody get in line. But, yeah, I, had to, I just have to give you a little quick story about why it really bothers me. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that we used to do. My sister and my brother-in-law, my bro- that thing is a pool. And every uh, every St. Patrick's Day, they have a big St. Patrick's Day party. And we live kind of far away. And they say, you know, come on out to St. Patrick's Day party and spend the night because it's too far. So just going an impact, the kids weren't there. And we go out. There, and we have this bang up, fantastic party, and woohoo, and, and um, the first night, the first year we spent the night, and we're sleeping in bed, and we wake up in the middle of the night, and I hear this noise, and it's kind of... I wake up, and camp is in the corner, on his way to the bathroom but and it's thought he was there and wasn't. I'm not going to go into detail, use your imagination. But it hit the one floor, and I'm like, I can't wait. And he, and he goes, he bounces up a wall and hits another corner. And he's going over there. And I'm like, oh, shit. Who's this thing? And so big? You so, know, you know, we're mopping the floors and trying to buff them up and fix them and everything. So, the next year, they, they had another cemetery party and, and invited us again and said, you know, you guys stay with us. When the party was over, they put us in the basement. So, we're in the basement and um, this is a story. And he says he, he woke up. And uh, he looks up at the ceiling, and the the ceiling is finished, because it's not finished in the basement. And he's going, you know, there's a ceiling here. And he looks looks on one side, and um, he sees my sister, okay, next to him. And then he looks on the other side, and and my brother-in-law is on the other side. <laughs> and my brother all wakes up and he's taking his family next to him. And he's yelling, Donnie, Donnie, where are you? He, says, he can't really see really well. And he's screaming. And Donnie's like, oh, where are you? And Jeff's laying in the middle But the two of them. They're under the covers. He's on top of the covers. They have pajamas the on. And he is good at you. <laughs> okay? She makes me the deal. Now, here I am, twenty-five years later, the picture of program... So we are going we're losing, we're losing this
1: stuff, right? And I'm going back there and I'm going
0: to show these people, we, we, we're losing, we're not in trouble anymore. So, um, but I have a few little details that I had to out before I went. My oldest son just loves his pot. And I said, how... This is post-9-11, and please, don't bring your pot with you on the trip because you're going to get caught at the plane, it's going to ruin the whole trip. and blah, 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 blah. and I'm going through this whole thing, and he's looking at me like I am pretty heads, and he goes, Oh, what's the matter with you? I'm not bringing pot on the plane. And I said, Well, good. I have to show my son to love the same thing. You know, if you bring pot, what are you wearing? Let me see your suit, it's a man, it's and, you know, I got everybody dressed, everybody lined up, we're all going. So I'm telling you the story about how I tell my son not to smoke the pot, and he's, uh, he's like, receptive. He's on the road with me. He understands. He's solid with it. And I thought, well, what a better time to bring up something for him. So I said, <laughs> <laughs> my husband is the business manager of a union. Very union, union, very union. Hair to make cars. You know, union, union. So, um, my brother-in-law works for Walmart. So I said to him, <laughs> hey, I- Oh, we're at the wedding. Would you do me a favor and like, not bring up anything about Walmart? Anything? <laughs> what is the matter with you? You know, I thought everybody Everybody has their little trip and they all have to follow it. I've got 20, stinking years in this program. I totally lost my mind. I've got to get everybody in mind. We're all doing it. Well, it comes to the day of the wedding. And I'm the dad. My family was the best looking there. Oh, my boy, there's suits and ties cakes and dress. Everybody looked cool. We were wonderful. We went to the wedding. We went to the reception. Everything was great. Now, um, we had some cocktails. We were dancing the best of everyone there. Everything was great. I was so proud. These idiots that I'd seen before. And Patrick's McCurdy, they're looking at it like, wow, I know they were thinking this. Aren't those laverns really something? They're just wonderful. And they're parents. They just boomed serenity. So here we are. Here we are at this thing. And then my youngest son was going to be 21 in a couple months or whatever. So we let him drink. And so um, he was like you would not believe me. He, uh, he's drinking and he's dancing and he's you know, flying and he's blowing it up. And, you know, I mean, he drank anything that was laying on a table. Because he really didn't drink much. And people are just going to make up for a the time. And he was so drunk. He was so drunk. So the wedding gets over and we're standing outside in the bar, very proud of myself, how oh, I got everyone in line and behaved and everything went really well. And all of a sudden, somebody comes up to me and goes, Ooh, you better get down the hallway. You better get down there and get the boys. And I go, what boys? Certainly not. Some boys. And as it turns out, you know, my younger drunken son was whatever and Pat decides that he needed to go to bed. Well, you I not mean, tell the wrong, says so it's time to go to bed when everybody else is going out party. And I don't really know what happened to this day, and I will not ask. But somehow or other, some um, altercation ensued where one touched another, and there was touching going on of the angry kind. The next thing you know, they're rolling well down the hall. The serene father, the serene sober father, and the drunken one, and the you know the other t- the cousins are in there, the uncles are in there, and all of a sudden there's nothing to and Everybody's playing and everybody's yelling. and It's your boy. You better go get your own boy. And I get over there, I'm like, what the hell is going? Well, the next thing you know, I was trying to figure this out, and he going, I don't know what happened, I don't
1: know what's going on, but I'm the sober one. And he kept going, I'm the sober one. I didn't do I'm the sober, one. Going, I'm the sober one. Going, That's the one. I'm sorry, sober one, you guys got rolling over the hall with the sun? And it's just
0: Christmas thing put in a few months ago. And he's rolling over the hall with me. And so all this is going on, and the next thing you know, you can hear people stomping. I turn around, and it's the in total swat gear. They got the helmets. they got the pants, they got the fence, they got the horns, the and they come on they're going, you know, where's the boy? You know, my older sister <laughs> where's the boy? So but then this time, he bolted, because that's what he does. When things don't go right, he bolts. It's freezing outside. He's got no jacket. Oh, my God. The boys are all fighting. He's on the plane Everybody's yelling. Everything, you know, been amazing from the serene family. And so, um, you know, uh, the, the, the fleet break off into number, you know, all going to the hall looking for the kid, you know, and they're all looking for him. Um, so finally, uh, my sister went outside, and she found him. And so um, was ready to fall asleep out there and freeze and um they came out and they said, We got him, he's in bed, everything's fine, blah, 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 and the police are everything of calming down and um, the police go, Where's the boy? And he goes, he's in bed and everything's fine and they said, Good. Just one more thing and I go, What's that? And he goes, Get the father out of here And <laughs> 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 so myself, I'm the so one. I'm the one. our life is still still totally insane when I let it, you know, when I don't work my program. I do of like all the time. I've learned a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of things from you guys. You know, I've learned about um, oh, I've, I, I, I've learned about acceptance and, I, and I've learned about forgiveness and I, I've learned that forgiveness is giving up the whole thing a hope that the past was different. And I've just come across this recently and it dawned on me that going to getting slower. <laughs> Sorry. My clothes are left. Um, So, you know, forgiveness is giving up the hope that the past was different. And that's what it is for me. I used to think forgiveness was given in. Like, you know, step on me one more time. I guess it's okay. I forgive you. But really what it is is, is, um, you know, we wish things would have been different. And so we just hang on to it and we hang on to it, you know, mentally putting it in our heads to make it different. And we had a meeting about this the other day and it it made me think about, um, I asked mom, um, as she, she died a couple of years ago, but from the first day she met me, she she didn't like me. And Well, I you do know why. It's because I'm, I'm Irish and she doesn't like Irish people. Which is was really pretty funny. Like, you know, if somebody is anti-Jewish, is, is anti-Semitic or bigoted or, if you don't like black people, what is it when you don't like Irish people? I don't really know. Anyway, yeah. she <laughs> <laughs> asked. She just hated me because I was Irish. Well, probably because her husband was Irish. And I couldn't get it. Anyway, as time went by, she just, we just never did get along. I mean, we were married probably 20 years by the time she died. If I saw her 10 times, that was a lot. And whenever I did, not all the time, but there were some really bad things that happened. She just was mean to me, horribly, horribly mean to me. So, of course, I paid that. I put it in my pocket. I fertilized it. Take it out every once in a while. Revisit it. See if there's something else I can add, which I did. And I put it back in and I carried it around for the longest time. And then she got sober for a few months, I think it was a few months, and, and you know, life was good and she she cared about my kids and, and, and we had civil conversations and things got better and, and then, you know, they just went back again. She just couldn't seem to stay sober and it was just, it was really, it was a horrible, horrible life and she uh, died a couple of years ago and really, you know, the first thing I was is, you know what, it's over. Thank God it's over. Thank God I don't have to do this anymore and I felt and I Pat later that day and of course she was sad about his mom but... He said to me, hmm, She so I'd be nice. Anyway, he said to me, I hope she's finally happy. Because she lived her whole life being unhappy. And I thought, you know, if unhappy or as mad as it made me, she was ten times more unhappy than I was. And he says, I hope she found some peace. And that's when I really understood what forgiveness was. Hoping that wishing that the past was different. You know what? I wish she changed our way. I wish she welcomed me in the family. I wish she, she you know, cared about our kids and was involved in their life. But that's not the way it was. But at one time, she was, you know, his mom. She was a great mom. And that's what I can, you know, that's what I can build on. And that's, you know, what I, what I see. Anyway, um, you know, I had all these stories in my head and I was going to go over. Okay, I got one more.
1: <laughs>
0: all right, here, I got to tell you my ring story. When we were married 25 years, Ted had bought me a diamond ring. Actually, it was at my suggestion, because
1: she,
0: she told me to ask for what I want, so... um uh, we didn't get one when we got married. You're more interested in the wedding itself than getting jewelry. So, you um, know, yeah we, I said I wanted to ring for I see this diamond ring. And, oh, my God, I was so excited to have it. I would watch this sucker every day. I'd brush my teeth and I'd brush that ring. Just, this was going to shine. shine. All day 25 years, it was going to shine. And the the to ring there was. And every day I'd be scrubbing that thing and that's do young have to be cleaning that ring over the sink, you know. I, I bought that for you. And sure. you're going to drop it down the sink and, and you're going to lose it because you don't take care of anything, and I'm like, shut up, leave me alone. I'm <laughs> my ring. So off he goes. So I'm cleaning it one day and I took it off and so I'm trying to clean the inside with the brush and I'm cleaning it. And all of a sudden it slips out of my hand. I start bouncing around the bathroom and then I don't hear it anymore. And I'm looking on the sink and I don't see it. And I've got this 25-year-old sink that's got no stopper in it. I don't even see it's hanging one. There's no stopper in the thing And it's gone. And I was like, I am so in trouble. <laughs> so, I run upstairs and I go outside and I get that long barbecue fork off the grill and I'm swimming and shaking and, and i and can't get it. So then I, and you know the only thing in the back of my mind is he cannot know I did this, you know. So then I'm in there and get a hanger and I'm pulling front the hanger and I'm sticking it in there and I'm trying to get it back to work so next to you know I'm in the garage and i got a pair of clients and I'm... I'm under the sink, you know, trying to open the thing and it won't open and so finally I had to give in and do the one thing I didn't want to do. <laughs> and I call the airport and I go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he was still uh, in down and you know, always so cheery, Look we won! I said, I you know, my ring's the this and He goes, you can't. Help me, get into the tools and all the queen I over the stage. Uh, and I thought, okay, let's get over and help me. So he comes home. He was all dressed up that day because he'd had a meeting. He had a suit on and everything. And so, of course, he goes and gets the barbecue for it because... He's more adept at these things than me, and he's digging in there. He couldn't get it, then he's got the hanger, and he's digging with the hanger, and then he's got the bear of and nothing's moving. The sink is so old. So the next thing, you know, the suit is gone. He's in nothing but his jockeys and his black dread socks, and he's under, he's under the sink, and he's gone. Now he's got a hat on. He's gone. And he's going with
1: every, with every stroke. So finally,
0: he gets through the pipe and he swings it open, and he doesn't hear it. It doesn't, like, bang in the pipe. And then he says to me, I mean, you hear the thing in the pike, you go, are you sure you saw that thing going down the uh, stage?" Well, I'm standing up here and he's still down there and I'm like, who is are You know, I've got the black dog and the white dog thing going, and the white dog's going, you didn't do anything going down the chain? And the white dog's going, sure, do it. I'm down the right I'm right. down you know, <laughs> I'm like moving everything on the chain and I said, what's the white dog go down there? And I'm thinking, if I find that sucker, I'm dropping out it. It's <laughs> I didn't go through all that week or nothing, you know. And as it turns out, he took the pipe out hard, and there was so much grunge in the bottom of it that it was easy sitting in there, and so he, um, you know, cleaned it for me and gave it back to me, and so now when I clean it, oh, and the sent too. so now when I clean it, I pull up the drain, I lay in the towel, I put the dogs outside, I lock my bedroom door, I don't answer the phone, <laughs> and I had nothing to do with like I just don't want to do that. One. No, no, no. <laughs> I go to a meeting on Thursday with a, a, my favorite meeting ever with a whole bunch of old ladies. It was—it's The oldest one is 96 years old Madonna and she is just my idol. I love her to death. And um, I hang with these women because they've been in this program for so long and they are so incredibly funny. This one older lady, Dorothy, Dorothy Lorraine, we were we had a meeting one day and uh, that's it. Two in minute. Actually, you know what? What's going on after this meeting? We can keep going, can
1: <laughs>
0: <How many? laughs> Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I don't it say, then? We're going, I <laughs> 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 What are you
1: choking? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: All right, I got two more stories and then I'll be that. Which <laughs> one in I at? Oh, Georgie Lorraine. Right? So we're having a meeting one day and somebody gets up there and says, you know, does their story and the topic is blah blah. So everybody's sharing on blah blah. And one girl kind of throws in something about her sex life. So i like two you know, more people down and somebody says something about their sex life. Well now it's changing from, you know, blah blah to the sex life. So this old lady, Georgie, I think she's like 76 or something. And she says... Oh, I didn't know that we were going to be changing the topics today blah, blah, and the sex. And we're all like, ooh, and hold on talking? Hold on to your chair. She goes, if you're going to talk about sex, i got something to say. So I'm like, oh, you go, girl. So, of so course she goes, if I knew the last time I had sex, it's going to be the last time I had sex. <laughs> I sure as hell would have paid more attention.
1: <laughs> 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 these are my
0: idols. I love these ladies. They're, they're incredible. I bet Jeremy's been coming in. Uh, we are getting with in there, too. And anyway, you know what? If you stick around this program long enough, you are going to see miracles. And I see miracles. Every single day. Every single day. All you got to do is look for them. Because they're there, you know. You go outside. You've been outside today. It's a beautiful, gorgeous day. And who, who makes all this stuff, you know. God brings us these incredible gifts. And, and these five grandbabies we have, you know, when they're first born. And you look at them laying that thing. And they're squealing around. And their faces are changing. And you just look at them and going, you know, what are you going to be? What are you going to do, you know. It's just incredible. So I have a miracle story about my mom. Um, who is my most favorite person in the whole wide world. My dad died when I was a kid. And I had three sisters, and he and she was. was our mom, our dad, he had no grandparents. It was just us and my mom. And I just felt that woman walk down the water. And so when I moved to California, in like I cried all the way to the airport. My poor father-in-law drove us. I was like, ooh, they ignored It's the that I wasn't there. the the like, I see my mom all the time. So I would talk to her every Saturday. I was sitting outside this morning. having a cup of coffee. And every Saturday, she'd call me up and she'd go, Morning, sunshine. And i was sitting out there this morning, and there's some girl, I don't know if you're here, but her friend walked up and she goes, Morning, sunshine. And I thought, it's Saturday morning. Saturday morning, I miss that so much. Anyway, so she'd call me every Saturday, and we would talk, and oh, we would talk about everything. And one Saturday, she called me up, and she said, Al, I got something to tell you. And I want to tell you that i thought about it for a long time, and it's okay with me. I just heard her mom was up, and she said, oh, I've been diagnosed with lung cancer. And they're giving me six months to a year to live. And I'm telling you right now that you and your sisters are invited to live with me for the next six months to a year, but you're not dying with me and I won't have it. And if that puts you on to a lot of home. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I just hung up that phone and I was devastated, crying. I was just totally for me. What am I going to do? What am I going to do without my mom? I said, oh, it was horrible. So the next week, um, she called up and um, that was the plan and that's what we decided to do. Two of us live in California, two so of us live in Midwest, and we all four converged there and we watch movies, you know, our old movies, or we were just yacking. Then when it got down towards the end, my mom was living by herself and my one sister would go and clean her house and bring her groceries and... She could make it out to the kitchen and eat whatever was on the table, but she couldn't cook, and It just didn't work. So you had told me that I'm here to take care of my family, that I tend to her heart because she tends to mine. Just like you tend to mine, I tend to yours. So I called my job, I told my family that I was going to leave, you know, for seven weeks and go home. My daughter was the only one objecting to because she was home with all the boys alone. <laughs> but I, I went. And I, um, uh, you know, told my job and I went there. And for seven weeks, I cooked for her, the poor thing, I'm horrible. And I, it um, was better than what you got on the table, I guess. And I cleaned her house and for so payment, I sat on the couch and I Sucked absolutely everything I could out of her. You know, we talked about all those things that we just don't even think about, all that everyday stuff. Or when she met my dad and how they couldn't stand each other. And, and um... <laughs> I'm almost done. I'm almost Don't quit, Randy. Anyway, so we sat in the couch and I sucked everything off of her. And you know, she was my most favorite person in the whole world. But my mom was not perfect. She had a Tiny, teeny, little, teeny, little problem. My mother was pregnant. She grew up in the south side of Chicago, and she could not see her way to liking people of color. So when things got really bad, before I even got there, she needed somebody to come out and, and give her some help. And I, think God, is the biggest jokester in the world. But so she'll find what budget, and then he will press that button until you scream. So she needed somebody to come on back, and God sent her this black woman. And my mother would. <clears throat> Dolores would come in every day and she would give my mom the bath and my mom would just sit there thin-liped and pissed off. And Dolores would come in and she knew my mother didn't like her, but she didn't care. She came in singing and she was happy and she was doing God's work and that, that was okay for her. So after I got there, they'd be in the kitchen, give the bath and hang on with talk And so I said, talk into Dolores. And, and as time went by, my mom to get in on a conversation. I was going to hit the conversation even if she didn't want to be on it. So after a while, my mom reached in and the three of us were talking. And then after a while, I just left. And it was my mom and Dolores. And when the asked were over, they'd go and they'd sit on the couch. And Dolores, you know, my mom would just talk about everything. And she would leave and my mom would say, Hes, do you know Dolores has a son who's going to be an attorney? And I was like, no way. <laughs> They had a
1: journey.
0: (laughs) And they became the best of friends. They knew the neighborhood. My mom was from this old neighborhood. And And they knew a lot of the hangouts. And they would just talk and just have a great time. And then at the end of the seven weeks came. And Delora came for her last time. And they gave each other a hug. And my mom had tears in her eyes, because she was never going to see her move right again, and she knew it. And I sat there, and I walked it, and I thought, God had done for her what she couldn't do for herself. He set this opportunity up for her, and it was hers for the taking. And she could grab it or not. And she grabbed it, and she healed it. She had this little piece of hate in her heart that was there for Who the heck knows what reason? And now it was gone. And it was about six weeks later that my mom just went to sleep one night and didn't wake up again, and she just passed on. And we all went back to Chicago and did her funeral, and I I did her eulogy. And. Uh, I did that because you guys told me I can do this stuff. You know, I don't have to be scared of that anymore. I and mean, we laughed and laughed and laughed and cried and cried and cried. And we, it was just the most incredible experience. And I have a faith and trust in God that I learned here. I knew about it before I came, but I believed in it from here. And I walked out behind that um asked it in the church and I was smiling and I was happy because I know I am going to see her again someday because she I believe this mean, stuff. I don't think it's just smoking mirrors. I believe it and I'm smiling and I know people are looking yes. at me thinking, what's the matter with her? But that's the kind of stuff that I learned here and I want to thank you guys. I want to thank you guys for helping me be a different person today than I was before. And I just want to close with one more thing that I've learned here. I like to start the day with a prayer. Dear Lord, so far today, God, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. And I'm very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to be getting out of bed. (laughs) And from then on, I'm going to need a lot more (laughs) words.
1: Thank you.